You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Anyone watch any football over the last few days? Hello? Wow, it was a marathon, and we throw the World Cup in there. It was a lot. But uh, an amazing weekend. I was watching a game yesterday, and at the very end, as often will happen in a really good game, the, the underdog team was driving in hopes of a Hail Mary. They were, all they needed to do was get to the 50-yard line, get to the 45-yard line, and then the quarterback can throw the ball. Does anybody know what a Hail Mary is, by the way? A few of you are looking at me like, I, I was with you on football, you lost me on the Hail Mary. So a Hail Mary is when the quarterback gets close enough, like maybe midfield, to throw it as far as they can on the last play of the game in hopes that one of their receivers will come down in the end zone with the ball, game-winning touchdown, game-tying touchdown. It's a Hail Mary. I remember the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was 1984, we were at some friends of ours' house not far from here, and there was a famous Hail Mary. Boston College was playing Miami. Anybody see this game? And Miami had scored right at the end. There's a little bit of time left. Doug Flutie gets the ball, chunks it from midfield. Boston College guy comes down in the end zone. I mean, even if you didn't care about the game, you thought it was crazy. People were high-fiving each other who didn't even care about Boston College or Miami. That was the first time I remember the Hail Mary sort of making a headline. But it came into the vernacular of sports really truthfully in 1975, Roger Staubach being the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, there can't be any cheers for the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. If you're a Cowboys fan, just keep it down low, okay? Just kidding. America's team. And the Cowboys were playing the Vikings. 24 seconds left in this game. And the Cowboys are down 14 to 10 when Roger Staubach has one last play. Now, he's already made Hail Mary a thing when he was a quarterback at the Naval Academy. They'd beaten Michigan in a major game. And at the end of that game, a similar play had happened. And he said it was a Hail Mary play. But it just got a little press. But on this day, with the Cowboys playing the Vikings, 24 seconds left, he throws a 50-yard Hail Mary pass, Drew Pearson, two Hall of Famers, comes down with the ball in the end zone, Cowboys win, and Roger Staubach's quote after was, that was a Hail Mary play. I just threw it up as far as I could and hoped for the best. The Philadelphia Inquirer the next day printed as their headline, Hail Mary Pass Blesses Dallas. And thus the Hail Mary became a part of sports culture. But where did it come from? It came from our text today. Because in our text today, the, the angel Gabriel enters the story again. And this time, it's not a message for Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. This time, it's a message for Mary and ultimately for Joseph, who are going to shepherd the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. And so in this moment when the shepherd, I mean, when the angel appears to Mary, he says to her, and I'm quoting out of the King James Version, the original version of the Bible, hail... Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. 
And that's where the phrase Hail Mary came from. So in a big tradition of the church, you go for confession, and after confession, as part of penance, you do Hail Marys, 20 Hail Marys, 15 Hail Marys, 10 Hail Marys, or every day in the, in the action of your worship, you do a Hail Mary. Where did it come from? It came from this text. Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And it all seems to go together for me because what could be more of a Hail Mary pass than the one you need to throw as Almighty God when you want to bring forth the Savior from a virgin womb? And God in this moment is moving miraculously to save the world. The text begins in Luke 1, 26, and I'm going to read from the NIV, which doesn't give us the Hail Mary as the King James did, but it's a powerful text beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, now that's the sixth month of Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, Gabriel had an earlier assignment to go to the temple with a message for Zechariah. Now he has a second assignment to go into Nazareth in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, there's the hail. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered. There's our word, by the way. And wondered. When wonder erupts in worship is the underscoring theme of this collection of talks. And there's the word wonder. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Amen. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed what the Lord said to her would be accomplished. Now, just a small footnote here. In the context of the sanctity of life, we're preaching that today. When Mary, who's barely pregnant, walks into the house of Elizabeth, her relative who's six months pregnant, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth leaps in the womb at the presence of Jesus in the womb coming into the house. So this is God giving us a picture of the sanctity of life and very specifically uses the term, the baby leapt in her womb. The baby leapt for joy. And so at the end, Mary, now where she was in wonder, now she erupts in worship. And Mary's song follows. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What an amazing moment to have the announcement of Gabriel over your life. You are blessed and highly favored. Now, I grew up in a tradition where I didn't hear that phrase a lot, and I got older in life, and Shelly and I started navigating in different streams of the church, and in some streams, that is a very big announcement. I'm blessed and highly favored. Anybody know that stream? It's like, how are you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. How's life going? Blessed and highly favored. And, and it's true of Mary, and it's true of you, and it's true of me. Now, the interpretation of that, as I think we'll see at the end, isn't necessarily that I got a brand new car today, and everything's going fantastic today, and all my prayers have been answered exactly the way I hoped they would be answered today, and God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I'm blessed and highly favored. Because Mary's circumstance isn't exactly that circumstance. When the angel came to Mary, she was somewhere between 12 and 16 years of age. For, for, for my sake, I just need to give her 16 in this moment. But culturally, somewhere between 12 and 16, she's pledged to be married to Joseph. And so at 16 years of age, planning a wedding planning a future, and planning a life comes the announcement, you're going to be pregnant, and it's going to be the work and the miracle of Almighty God. 
a divine conception is going to happen. Now that is really great and really troubling news all at the same time. But somehow in the grace of God, Mary rose up in faith to believe that God was doing something amazing with her and through her. And even though it sounded to the human mind like a stretch, she said, but all things are possible with God. Let it be with me as you have said. In other words, I'm going to choose the side of faith when everything in my human mind makes me want to tilt to the side of this is crazy and I'm undermined with doubt. I'm going to choose because there's an angel standing here to believe in faith. At 16 years of age, she's chosen to bear the son of God into the world. At 28 years of age, she's at the temple in worship and her kid disappears. And once they finally find the kid, he says, well, where'd you expect me to be? I'd be at my father's house. And they're like, oh, okay, great. It's going to be like this, right? In her 30s, she realizes there's a wonder kid in the house. When she's 46, she'd gone to a friend's wedding in Canaan. And when the wine ran out at the end of the reception, she kind of pulled the curtain back on Jesus, whether he was ready or not. Mom said, just do whatever he says. Get in there and do something and fix the wine. How'd she know he could do that? Because she'd been living in a house with the son of God. And so now she's 46 and people are starting to go, oh, wow, this guy can do stuff. But at 49, she watches her son suffer on a cross, an excruciating death, and knows that he's been put in a tomb and sealed in death. But also at 49, she sees the miracle of the empty tomb and the resurrection. And also at 49, she has a goodbye conversation with Jesus where he says to her, Mom, I'm going to ascend back up into heaven. I know the whole thing's been crazy, but you've been awesome, by the way. But I'm going to ascend back to heaven. I'll see you later, okay? Have a great life. And up into heaven goes her son at 49. This is her life from 16 to 49. Blessed and highly favored. Bumps in the road crazy in the road. I'm sure it started with shock and awe. I'm sure other people, I don't know that Mary did, but I'm sure other people tried to compound that with shame along the way. Oh, great story, man. <laughs> did you hear that one? God, God did it. That's <laughs> amazing. Great one. That's an awesome way to approach that. Then it was surreal. Then there was suffering. Then there was silence. And then there was the surprise, blessed and highly favored. This talk today it's called blessed and highly favored of God. The themes both in Zechariah's wonder to worship and in Mary's wonder to worship are simple. There's waiting, there's divine activity, and then there's worship. To say it a different way, there's faith in God. And by the way, if we're never waiting for anything, we don't need faith. 
And so it would be great if God just did everything right when we needed him to do it, when we wanted him to do it, when we told him to do it. But if God did everything exactly the way we want him to do it, we would have zero need for faith in our life. And so thank you, Lord, for the waiting, because that stirs up in us the faith that we need to grow stronger in our relationship with you. But in our faith, waiting comes God's faithfulness. Amen? Has anybody got a story of the faithfulness of God? And once the faithfulness of God comes into our lives, worship is always the response. But what I love in both Zechariah and in Mary is they didn't wait till the resurrection in the case of Mary or John the Baptist going through saying, prepare the way of the Lord. In the case of Elizabeth and Zechariah, Zechariah worshiped beforehand and Mary had a song at the very beginning. They believed in God and they worship God from the start, but they certainly worship God at the end. And why did the wonder turn into worship? This is the most important part of the journey today. It was for two reasons. Number one, what the Lord has done for me. Mary said, the Lord has been mindful of my humble estate. Zachariah said, you have heard our cry and our prayer for a baby. We've been longing for this, and God has heard us. Mary, this humble servant girl, now understands that she's on the radar of heaven, that her life matters to God, that she's in the story and in the plan of God. But it wasn't just what God did for them that caused the worship. It was what God was doing for us that caused the worship. I want you to notice uh, how this unfolds in Mary's song. We we see it. Well, let's look back and see it in Zechariah's song in verses 76 to 79. And you, my child, John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Zechariah was worshiping God because they had a son. But he was really worshiping God because God was bringing forth a savior. And the savior in tender mercy was going to bring to us the forgiveness of our sins. And whenever we get a hold of mercy, worship erupts in our lives. In Mary's story, it's in verse fifty. And then again in verse 54, in verse 50, his mercy, there's our word, extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And then in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. So two songs, two announcements by Gabriel, two miracles of God. And in both cases, the mercy of God is the common denominator in what God is doing in the story. He's extending mercy to people. And mercy unfolds the grace of God. 
And the grace of God is the key that unlocks worship in the heart. If you want an atmosphere or a culture of extravagant worship in your house or in your church, don't preach about extravagant worship. Preach about the radical grace of God. If you want a church to awaken in worship, then preach to that church the radical grace of Almighty God. If you want worship, then preach about mercy because worship is the byproduct of a heart that has been awakened from the dead by the mercy of Almighty God. And when mercy is alive in the heart, worship is alive in our mouths. And when there is no mercy alive in the heart, then you, you're wasting your time trying to get people to be exuberant in their praise of Almighty God. External pressure cannot cause the heart to do what the internal change of the grace of God will do. So to say, come on, everybody, let's sing it one more time. Oh, you'll get a little more volume. Come on, let's lift a shout to God. You'll get a little more volume. Come on, let's lift our hands and worship to Almighty God. You might get, you know, a couple of hands here or there that are new. But if people can see by the power of the Holy Spirit that God, who did not owe us anything, extended to us everything and erased our debt through the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ, then in the heart there is a song. Zachariah had one, Mary had one, and then I have one. I got my own song of worship. And thank you guys for coming to lead us today. But I came in here with a song. I came in here to worship. I came in here with a grateful heart. I came in here to praise God. Why? Well, uh, he has been faithful. Oh, I'm still waiting on some things also. But if God never did one more thing in my life, I've already got enough to praise him for. And I'm coming together with the people of God to celebrate a God of salvation today. And I'm still moved by the gospel. I guess that's the question today, right? Are you still moved by the gospel? Or do you need God to, to come through one more time for you to worship him. I want to be moved by the gospel. There are a few responses to mercy. And, and allow me just to be your pastor for a minute today. Knowing that I love you and I have prayed for you. I was praying for you this morning. But then the, the, the first response to the mercy of God is to be ignorant of it. Meaning either, I don't even know that I need it. I'm not even that clued in to the holiness of God to know that I need mercy. Or I don't really know what mercy is all about. So I'm just over here doing my best trying to make it right with God. And in either case, I don't have the full knowledge and understanding of the depth 
of the mercy of God, of a love that's deeper than whatever I've done, that's wider than wherever I've run, that's higher than anything I can imagine, that's longer than any distance that would separate me from God. This love of God overwhelms everything I've done and everything I could ever do and brings me back to God. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't merit it in any way, shape, or form. But God is a merciful God. And it's not just mercy. It's tender mercy. It's like, I'm having compassion on you. You're struggling, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to throw a Hail Mary. And it's going to be completed. And salvation is going to come to all men. Peace on earth among men on whom his favor rests. The second response to mercy is to receive it. And I think that's where the bulk of people in church are. I have definitely received the mercy of God. I remember where I was when I was saved. I remember where I was when I asked God to bring me to life. I know where I was when I prayed that prayer of faith in Jesus. And I have received the mercy of God. But the third person in the story of mercy is the person who's the conduit of the mercy of God. Mary didn't just receive the miracle. She was the conduit for the miracle. And she knew it right away. And she said, this is you being merciful to Abraham and to every generation. This is everything we've been waiting for. All the law and all the prophets all teed up to this moment. This is what you have promised. And this is what we've been waiting for. This is it. And I'm the conduit for the mercy of God. Yeah, at 49, I'm going to have to sit there and watch my son suffer and die the worst kind of death. But I am a conduit of the grace that you're extending as his blood flows down to cover the sins of the world. Yes, it's going to be crazy living in a house with the Son of God. It's going to be crazy having a story that the Holy Spirit birthed this child in me. But I'm a conduit of the grace of God. I'm blessed and highly favored. It's like a sponge. You know, when, when you haven't been home for a while, and if, you, if you're sponge people, the sponge is kind of sitting in the sink or up on the top of the sink and maybe under the sink if you're one of those kind of homes. And it, it's kind of crusty and shriveled up and a little bit, you know, hard. And... Do I, am I acting out the sponge? It's kind of weird. <laughs> hey, Lou, we know what sponge looks like under the sink. You don't have to like... And that's someone today. That sponge was made, created, designed to absorb and to come pliable, to become usable. All, all, right before your eyes, just to transform. And some of you are coming into this season and you're just a crusty sponge. But the good news is 
The sink's running with the mercy of God and the grace of God. And all you have to do is get under the flow and let the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God bring you to life. But others of you are more like this, the sponge that's kind of got water in it sitting right there. The sponge God wants is the one that is alive, that is in his hand, that can be squeezed and used as a conduit of his mercy and his grace. I want you, God wants you to receive mercy today. And everyone can. This is the crazy thing about this moment. Not one person has to leave this gathering separated from God. Disconnected from the mercy, the grace, the love, the forgiveness of God. Every person in this gathering can be saved. But more, every person in this gathering can be a conduit of that grace and mercy because there's somebody in your sphere who needs to know that God is extending mercy to them. And I believe that's what it means at the core to be blessed and highly favored. It is to be chosen by God to be a conduit of his grace to others. I am blessed and highly favored. Oh, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, there are highs and lows, but I am blessed and highly favored. There's absolutely some dark days in the story, but I'm blessed and highly favored. There are some amazing high days in the story, but I am blessed and highly favored. Some people aren't going to understand. They're going to be talking behind their backs, but I am blessed and highly favored. This is not the way I actually saw it all coming down, but I am blessed and highly favored. This isn't the family Joseph and I were thinking about starting but I am blessed and highly favored. I am in the story of God and I'm not just thinking about me. The worship isn't just about what you've done for me. I got a song to sing because what you've done through me and what would the church look like? What would our church look like if we came through the door, not going, I need a little water on my crusty sponge today. But what if we came through the door going, man, God squeezed me this week. And it was amazing to watch God use someone like me to extend grace to someone else in the world. I got, a, I got a song of praise. I have something to worship God for, for who he is and what he's done, not just in my life, but through my life. And for us, have a song of praise. So if you wonder why when you come to Passion City Church, you always hear the gospel. Doesn't matter what text we're in, what collection of talks we're in, what season of the year it is, you're gonna hear the gospel, praise God. Because at the end of the day, we wanna be an extravagantly worshiping house. And a lot of you are new. 
A lot of you found us during pandemic. You found God during pandemic. You found church during pandemic. And you said, you know what? I'm actually going to go and try it out. I like it on the screen, but I'm going to show up and see if these people are real. And so you've come along and now you've gathered in. But see, the difference between being in church in your den and being in church with the people of God in real time is the worship culture, right? Because there weren't too many people. Now, I was only in a few worship gatherings online where it wasn't just me. And even when it was just me, I, I can't say I was running around the room, hands raised, praising God and shouting hallelujah. You got kids in the back making all kind of racket. You got Uncle Harry over there scratching in his robe. And, you know, you got all kinds of things, right, distracting you. And you're trying to lean in and you do love God, but it's just not the place and time. Well, what I want you to know is that is the place in time for sure, but this is really the place in time. This is us gathered. This is us in our arena. This is us with one voice praising our God. And I just want to encourage us as a house, if the gospel is in your heart, then let there be a song of praise in your mouth. If you are alive from the dead, then say so. And we've got a moment right now. And again, this is the tension. I can't push because that's just not going to work, A, and it's not real, B, and it really won't honor God. But, oh, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that eyes are open to the tender mercy of God. And then out of any season and every season, you're going to find us in worship of you. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.